Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Orlando Soccer Show. It has been a minute, and by a minute I mean almost a full calendar month. Actually, no, I lied. It's been a full calendar month. We're bad at keeping track of time here at the Orlando Soccer Show, but that's not why you listen to us. It's about the content, and today we bring you said content. My name is Austin David, and filling in for Gavin Eubank, who is out doing whatever he does on a daily basis, it's Kyle Foley. Kyle, hi. Welcome hey, back. I'm back for my yearly uh, dose of, hey, look, I'm back and I'm going to do this more often, and then... It doesn't happen for a while, but who knows? Maybe this time it actually will. You messaged me about recording, and I didn't come up with an excuse not to. So, you know, there might be might be an improvement. New year, new me, you know? It is progress. Progress is all we can ask for in 2021, right? Exactly. Right? Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, last show we did back in February... That was when Alexander Pato signed for Orlando City. A lot has changed since then. Uh, Daryl Dike's loan has exploded. Everything has happened uh, over there for him. Jonathan Suarez, he signed back when we did our last show. A lot has happened with him. I mean, basically, he's just not with the team anymore. We'll, we'll talk about that. A lot of stuff with the draft happened. None of those players have joined the team, and we have no idea what's going on with them other than that they're playing in the college game right now and then they've also signed a new homegrown player so we'll run through all of that as we go along there's also some orlando pride news to get through a new ocb light if you will uh ucf and rollins soccer college soccer both getting to the ends of their seasons because they were incredibly short and then we'll talk about some other stuff around the league towards the end however the big news of the day. We're back to getting interviews. It's been like a year and a half since we've actually had an interview on this show with someone that is not just us. And uh, we are proud to present Mason Lamb, former Orlando City Academy player, former OCB player, and now current Rollins College freshman. He'll be talking to us about what was life like during the pandemic, playing for OCB, playing in USL League One, and now transitioning over into college soccer in division two and what his eventual plans are for his career is he trying to go into academics by going to a school at rollins college or is he trying to go pro you'll find out towards the end of the show but that's what we have to look forward to through this next hour and who knows who cares kind of range of time so kyle let's let's begin Yes. The Orlando City preseason is well underway. They have been not only playing meaningful games, well, meaningful as in preseason meaningful games against meaningful opponents, but they have also been winning a number of those games, which has been a nice change of pace for Orlando City. When you actually play a preseason game and you're like, hey, even when you're playing the young kids, they're still winning and still scoring great time to see it so quick rundown of what has happened throughout this preseason back on march 1st they went to img academy spent an entire week there training getting used to each other then they got to play the philadelphia union where they won then on that day march 15th they can back from bradenton and have now spent the rest of their preseason from here on out 
in Kissimmee. They will continue to play in Kissimmee uh, for the rest of preseason, which is a nice, nice thing because they don't have to travel anywhere to go play people. They get to come to them. And they have a nice facility to do it over at the converted baseball stadium. So, outside of the Philadelphia Union, they played NYCFC, where they lost 3-2. to two. Pato scored in that game for his first action as a Lion. He literally flew in, started training that week, and asked the coach, hey, can I play? Came in, scored a goal, and hasn't started looking back yet. All things considered, it's it's been pretty surprising from Pato. You know, we didn't know what to expect from him, but... We're kind of getting to see a little bit of what he can provide even at, at this point in his career, which is always nice. Uh, outside of the new NYCFC game, the Lions played the Philadelphia Union again, beating them one nothing. And that time, Pato uh, actually assisted on that play. Uh, then they played the Columbus Crew. Actually, sorry. He assisted in the Crew game for Tesho Akindele, and he scored again in the Philadelphia Union game, had a header uh, in that one. So both of those games were wins, uh, all things considered decent performances, and uh, good to build off of if you're Orlando City, because, hey, it's preseason. These results don't matter, but builds confidence. That's all I can say about that. Now, back to Pato. He scored two goals, had an assist in preseason. Don't take too much into account with with preseason results, but all things considered, when you see Pato scoring and assisting and and getting involved in the offense, you, you gotta love to see it, right? Absolutely. One, well, we talked about it when he when he was signed. We talked kind of in our chat, like what kind of like what's the purpose of this? How is this going to work out? It's very iffy. It's someone who obviously early in his career. Had a lot of potential to be very, very good, and things didn't quite pan out. He was not quite prolific for clubs such as your Chelsea, uh, which I want to make sure I note he has now scored more goals for Orlando City than he ever did for Chelsea, making Orlando City the bigger and better club. But it's it's <laughs> the, the question mark was, is he actually going to provide anything? He's, in, he's 31 now. It would be 32 towards the end of the season. Is he actually going to be able to contribute anything to the team or is this just a hey i'm getting a maybe a slightly bigger paycheck and i get to go live next to disney world which, which is i think whether fair or not i think that's kind of the way to look at when you bring in older signings especially ones who at one point in their career had been relatively popular names so seeing that he's already gotten off to a good start i know it's preseason so with preseason you have to take everything with a grain of salt in any sport and understand that preseason doesn't represent what's going to happen you know, plenty of times the Browns went undefeated in preseason and then everyone uh, won like three games in the NFL. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that things are going to be great. But when you pair last season's success for Orlando City and the improvement and the growth with the things we're starting to see now in preseason, and then you see someone like Pato who's able to come in and immediately not only just play and do well, but wanting to play and wanting to do well, which is kind of a testament to the team culture which is where he came in and immediately felt like I need to push myself. I want to push myself and do more, which I think I think is a reflection on the Orlando City culture as a club that's kind of shifted and changed over the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. With the, the shift of culture, the way that everything has changed since Oscar Pereja has joined the club, 
you know, talking to a number of people that have either worked for the club or currently work for the club or uh, are involved in one way or another, that the dynamic just inside and out has changed since they've started winning. Go figure, right? You, you start winning and everything starts getting better. Well, I, I don't know if I'd say it's it changed because they started winning. I think I think those two go hand in hand. I think the culture was changing behind the scenes and the winning came with it. And then the change became more noticeable because the only way the average person is going to see any semblance of a culture change is the product that we see on the field. Right. Do we see an improvement in not just the play and the results, but in the attitude and the demeanor and the way the team carries itself? And we started to see that. And the team was winning as a result, which I think is, but I, I, I don't think the the winning came first. I think it was the culture was changing behind the scenes. Didn't happen overnight, didn't happen immediately. But as the results started coming in, we started to see the tangible results of that culture change. Right. Now, my, my point that I was trying to make was basically the culture shifted, but in a positive direction, which led to winning. Because we've seen culture shifts with this team before. Every coach that has come in has tried to, quote-unquote, shift the culture of this team to a better direction. And and we saw it with James O'Connor and Jason Kreiss, where that culture shift was more detrimental to the club than positive. This time around, it's actually been so much more positive that it's affected winning and that, that players actually enjoy playing with each other and not like hating each other's guts. Yeah, and, and you're 100% right on that. And the changes that we've seen to the culture, you look at, and we talked about this when Pereira was brought in, we looked at what he did in Dallas, and we looked at those things, and went, wow, this would be really great if this happened you know, in Orlando, if we had a focus on youth, if the, if we saw the, the cohesiveness on the pitch, and we're seeing that with Orlando City. We're seeing a balance of both younger and older players we're not this isn't the team that that solely relies on someone like nani to produce everything for the club right and you could argue last year he wasn't the best player on on the field or at least wasn't wasn't always producing the best numbers which is what you want you want that in your team you don't want these guys to coming in even with pato coming in you want him to produce you want him to contribute and you want him to obviously be a part of the team. You don't want to rely on players like that because if you rely on players like that, you're not going to go anywhere. You see you, the teams that tend to be the most successful, not just in MLS, but in soccer in general, are the ones who have that balance of we have we have the experience, we have the leadership, and they're able to contribute and they're able to lead the line both in pr- production and just behind the scenes. But part of that is bringing up younger or maybe less experienced players and that these these older guys are able to kind of boost up the people around them and that's something that orlando hadn't seen for a really long time the first especially the first year everything was just pass the ball to kaka and if he's not on the pitch what do we do and it was Mm. it took years to shift out of that mentality of just give the ball to the to to the the playmaker or or i mean in his case not necessarily the playmaker but really just the big name and and then give the so give the ball to them and let them figure out what to do because we don't really know what to do and you're seeing confidence in the younger players which we hadn't seen before from Orlando City so you're seeing them play the confidence it's how you can see a guy like and we'll talk about him in a little bit it's how you can see Daryl DK go from you know a relatively unknown player to supposedly being scouted out and, and wanted by some of the top clubs in the Premier League and that that kind of thing happens because he was able to play for a club like Orlando where he was able to 
obviously learn a lot of things and, and, and was coached very well and was working with good teammates, but it's that confidence that's being instilled in these younger players that's allowing them to hit the ground running. And so I think, and, and even with older players, because you're seeing that with Pata when he comes in, he's immediately, even in the preseason, just hit, hits the ground running like he's been here for ages and he's barely been here, you know, at all. Right. And you kind of mentioned it with, with Nani, how the club is almost kind of moving away from Nani in a way when he signed back in 20, was it 18, 19? Um, I think it was 19 now. Time is kind of relative at this point. But when Nani signed, he was the big name. He was the guy who was going to make the plays and everything. And then last year, as the team was being successful, he wasn't necessarily as big of a part of some of those wins you know early on in the season especially with that game against Miami he was huge and then as the season progressed as Orlando was able to get more results he was less of a factor and you kind of saw some of the wear and tear on his legs and some of the, the 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 struggles that he kind of had just getting past defenders later on in the season and I think you know we saw that as as people from behind the iron curtain of the coaching staff and then the coaching staff saw that as well and have made some moves now to try and find some depth that Nani doesn't have to play every single game especially with a very tight constricted schedule like it'll be this year so you bring in a guy like Sylvester Vanderwater uh he was rumored to come to Orlando City for god the longest time his name came up months ago to the point where like people were questioning if if this was going to happen back in 2020 not even in 2021 he was basically demanding a a buyout so that he could go to orlando city and then it kind of got really bad with his club to the point where it kind of died down all the talks died down and then you know his name kind of went away from the transfer circles and then all of a sudden it came back into the forefront a couple weeks ago and then wouldn't you know it? He signs a three-year contract with Orlando City back in February. the the guy The guy can be a very good player. He's 24 years old. He's a left-footed winger. Can play on the left. Can play on the right. Can even play in the center if they need him to. He's six feet tall. He can play a multitude of positions, and he can score goals. Definitely a a potential future. Uh, product for Orlando City to try and groom and, and maybe keep or maybe sell off to somewhere bigger, depending. Well, and I think I think the biggest thing is that the player, you know, bringing in a player who's you know in his mid twenties, you know, he's he's twenty four, be twenty five by the end of the season. So it's one of those again, a, a change in the kind of the culture and the mindset. Not even just for Orlando City; that's more of an MLS thing in general of bringing in, you know. Normally, if you hear, hey, you know, they're bringing in a, a player from the Netherlands and, you know, a little bit experienced and bring this guy in, you automatically assume, okay, it's like some 33-year-old who is on his last legs and whatever. And, and so here we're getting someone who theoretically has a lot more time left in his career, has has a lot more that, that, that he can contribute and do and, and arguably hasn't even hit the prime of his career yet. And giving them the opportunity to kind of to, to grow and develop here. And whether he is here long term or is here for three years and gets sold for, for a profit, you know, to another club in Europe, 
is really irrelevant. It's just that that mindset change of the type of player that we're bringing in. Um, and I think, that, like, even with g- briefly going back to the signing of, of Pato, I think that was more done in kind of like he's there to support some of the younger players we have in that position. And so here with Vanderwater, it's kind of a, you know, we have some young players in, in this position, but but really one of our biggest playmakers is is old, you know, and he's he's getting towards the end of his career. So bringing in someone who can theoretically kind of fill that gap. And you see with the signings that, that the club has made, they're made to supplement positions of strength, not to fill these stop gaps where, where the club is lacking, which for years it had just been, hey, they're bringing in this guy because we don't have really anybody else in this position that should be playing in, in, in MLS. And maybe it'll work out and more often than not, it didn't. And so these are more just, you know, if Vanderwater doesn't hit the ground running from day one and isn't just an immediate success, the club is not going to suffer from that, right? If it takes time for him to really acclimate, the club isn't going to be losing games because of that. Now, will it be obviously a net negative long-term if he doesn't have success here? Yes, but it's not imperative that from day one, he's scoring goals and leading the club to success. Same with Pato, unless DK doesn't come back. But so the with with these guys that were that they're bringing in, it's one of those, you know, you have time get situated, do what you can contribute, and you're here to supplement positions that we already have some strength in, which I think is huge for the club. That makes a huge difference. And and that's how you have success, not just in the short term, but in the long term, which I think is what Orlando City, back when they brought in Pereja, I think that was kind of the mindset was we want to have long-term success. And you've seen that now, and we're starting to see the foundation being laid for some real long-term success. Yeah, and, and one of the biggest things with Vanderwater is that, well, he's not here yet. Uh, he's still in parts unknown, trying to get his visa situated. He's actually uh, the last he's ac- update. He's with Brent. Uh, him and Brent are both captured together. That makes sense. I wonder which one we'll see first. My money is on <laughs> Vanderwater. <laughs> yeah, I think Vanderwater will will pop his head up in training in the next uh, week or two, hopefully. Um, but with COVID and, and certain situations regarding getting passports and visas to the U.S., it can be sometimes a bit more difficult than others to, to get players or people in general overseas and into America to get their work visas sorted so they can actually start playing. But uh, the last update that we got from Oscar Pereja back on the 25th was that he's not here and they're hoping to have him soon in the coming days. Uh, we're scheduled to talk with Oscar Pereja in the coming days so we'll find out if he is or not so if you listen to this podcast two days after the fact it may be old news but maybe he's already here maybe he's not uh but as of the last update he is not so in theory he is a right winger chris Mueller is a right winger when you're bringing in a european talent you almost expect him to be a starter but Chris Mueller had such a breakout season last year. Does this, in your opinion, just make it better competition for Chris Mueller? Yeah. The fact that well, the fact that Vanderwater is more versatile, that he can play different positions, does it more make more competition not just for Chris Mueller, but for Nani or for Mauricio Pereira? Uh, or do you think that maybe they're looking to sell Chris Mueller while his value is high? Well, so I think it's it's kind of a, a mix of all three, right? 
I think it's one of those, he's obviously going to push someone like Chris Mueller to get better. If you're coming off of a, a really great kind of breakout year and you're really showing that you, you could be something more often than not younger players like that tend to have a year of regression, especially when there's a lack of competition, especially when they're in a position where they're just expected to do the same thing and the club is banking on them doing the same thing. And so there's no, there's nothing they're pushing then. You touched on there's expectations for Vanderwater because he's coming from Europe and he's he's a little bit younger. And so, and that was a part of my point earlier was was with him. That is the expectation is that he's going to come in and he's going to be great. He he's he played in Europe. He played in in the Netherlands, which is known for producing young talent. Even even their non top clubs produce pretty good talent. And so I think the expectation is just, yeah, you you bring in a player from from Europe, they're going to immediately step in and contribute. And so I think for him, the fact that he's not good enough to replace any of of, of the attacking players that Orlando City has right now that we've mentioned, positions that he can fill, he's not good enough to start from day one in any of those spots. So, so the question is, and it kind of leads into whether he's going to motivate those players or supplement or replace, you know, I'm assuming he's going to be pretty motivated to be on the field. I would assume if you are a professional athlete, your, your goal and your motivation is to play the sport that you are a professional in. So his goal is going to be to improve and to show that he is worthy of playing in any of those positions. So A, I think it's going to push those other players to be better. I, I don't think it, it may not push Nani to be better, but just because I don't think he needs that motivation. I think he's experienced enough and has been around the block long enough. But it puts mm-hmm. him in a position to, to push for more playing time. And if he does win out a starting role at any point in the season, then it gives those other players motivation to, to get their job back. And so I think that's obviously if it works out that way is a huge positive and we see clubs do that all the time. Sometimes it works out well, sometimes it doesn't. So I, I think this is, especially with his, his potential and, and I guess theoretical versatility, this is something that is a low risk, high reward signing. There's not really, if he, if he shows up and he doesn't really pan out, it doesn't affect Orlando city. It, it It's not a detriment to Orlando city. But if he shows up and turns out to be really good in any of those positions, it turns out, hey, maybe he can play on the left just as well as he can play on the right. Or, or we find out, you know, maybe maybe there's something, there's kind of a next level to him in the next gear. Or maybe he's just a supplemental player in any of those positions. All of those options are, are positives. And in MLS, those are the types of players that you need to win the MLS Cup. You need players who can fill in and be serviceable. You don't necessarily need a bench that's capable of winning the league and winning through the playoffs by itself. But you need players who can fill in and aren't going to be, oh, God, they're playing. No, I just write this one off, you know, and 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 obviously we've not watched him play enough and seeing clips and highlights and things like that. It's not like he was playing in a league that we were all watching predominantly. So we'll have to see when he gets here, what he's able to do. But I think it's one of those the the absolute worst that happens is he doesn't contribute anything, which is not really a big detriment to the team. The team's not counting on him. But but all of the other options of things that could happen would be huge positives for Orlando. Yeah. And and I think going back to what you said about pushing each other uh, through positions, I think with not only Nani, but also Alexander Alvarado, who's gotten a lot of playing time uh, during this preseason, 
you know, that's another young guy who was brought in with a lot of potential to be able to play on the left. Um, then you've got not only Chris Mueller on the right, but you also have Benji Michel, who's been playing predominantly as a right winger throughout his time at Orlando City. Um, you've got a lot of veteran players now that Chris Mueller is a veteran and a lot of young up-and-coming players. And then you throw Vanderwater into the mix. Now, the biggest question for me is, did Vanderwater come to Orlando expecting playing time? Because he left a situation in the Netherlands with his club at uh, Heracles that he was getting playing time. That wasn't the issue. So if he goes from playing in Europe to getting playing time and then to coming to Orlando and not getting playing time, you know, is that something that he's okay with? Because it seemed like he really wanted out of that situation to come to Orlando, but what was the promise that he got for Orlando? Yeah, no, that's, that's, and that's something that maybe, maybe to ask Pereja and, and, and try to see if there was anything that was said or not that the, an answer will probably, I don't think they're going to be able to say anything there. <laughs> right, right. I don't, well, it's not a matter of being able. I don't think they they would ever admit that or, or say to that, but it would be an interesting question for him at some point, maybe to ask him Vanderwater what his motivation is for, for being here, because you're right. Uh, now, I think maybe coming to a club like Orlando might be an improvement over being in a club like Heracles. I mean, he's playing in Europe, and so he's playing ostensibly tough, tougher competition. Um, I would maybe argue that MLS is at the point where it's probably on par with, with the Dutch league because I think MLS doesn't necessarily get the credit that it should. So I, I think that's a that's a tough one. Obviously, there are there are some big clubs in the Netherlands. There are some historical clubs, and there are some clubs that are still to this day very very good. So so I I don't want to knock playing in the Netherlands. I'm not trying to to say that that that's not a good league to play in. I, but I think MLS deserves maybe more credit than it gets. So I wonder if part of his motivation is maybe hey, I'm gonna get to go play on kind of a bigger stage because he you know playing for a club that that more people may know at least on television or maybe banking on the continued growth of mls one of the things we've heard over the last several years from europe is that people watch mls mls is no longer the joke league that it was the retirement league that it was it it seems to be approached at least by players maybe not by fans yet but it seems to be seen as no this is a real league there's real competition there there are real players there and we've and we've seen some of those players go on to Europe and have success, right? We look at Alfonso Davies with Bayern Munich, who is ridiculous, right? Um, and not that we know anybody who who may have said that he wasn't going to be successful or wasn't worth the money, but it turns out he was. And we've seen all these young American players come from MLS clubs and go overseas, and, and we're starting to see some of that. So I, I think maybe his mindset was, hey. I may have a better chance of, of making a name for myself because let's be real. When you're paying attention to the Netherlands, you're paying attention to PSV and Ajax and maybe one other club that just rotates in and out each year. And that's it. If you're not with one of those clubs, the chances of you being, being seen worldwide are pretty slim, right? But if you're in America and you're here playing in MLS, playing for a, for a, a U.S. club, which is a large country, which with a lot of money spent on on TV and there's lots of, you know, and global people are turning in to watch. 
you might have a bigger opportunity to be seen. So maybe his his approach and his mindset is, hey, me coming over and playing here, if this works out well, if I can do well here and impress, if I can maybe unseat one of these players, how great for his career would it be if he if he beats out Chris Mueller for a job, right? Chris Mueller, who who we think in in the somewhat near future is probably going to go play in, in a bigger league in another country, right? We think he's he's probably going to get sold and move. Um, so how good would that be for Vanwar to say, yeah, I, I was better. Like I, I, you know, ended up taking over for him and then that leads to a bigger move. So I think obviously we don't know his motivations. We don't know. It could just be that he wants to go to Disney world and I have no hate for that. Right. (laughs) But, or maybe he's a universal guy who knows, or maybe he just, you know, wanted to live close to, to TV's Hollywood's Brad Newton. But, uh, but like I said before, this is such a low risk, high reward type move. This isn't a thing that I think is there's really almost no way that this ends up badly. Um, so I think I think overall really good move. But I do think it would be interesting even just to ask him why he why he why Orlando? Why? Why is this the place that you wanted to come and play? We just have to take it for what it is. <laughs> Thank well you, said, Brent Petkus. Thank rest, you. Rest in peace. <laughs> uh, right. So, yeah, we'll just have to take it for what it is. Uh, but we'll ask Sylvester Vanderwater when he gets into town and actually does some media interviews and rounds and such. Uh, but until then, we wait. Meanwhile, other news around the Orlando City circles. Wilfredo Rivera signed a homegrown deal. He becomes the ninth homegrown player in Orlando City's history to sign a homegrown deal. Uh, that includes, by the way, Harrison Heath, who signed on before a homegrown deal as just a regular contracted player, then became a homegrown deal later on. It's weird. I know, but that, you know, early early days for Orlando City MLS was uh, very weird times. Now, while we're talking about Wilfredo Rivera, here was the thing. He played with OCB last year, scored three goals, made 15 appearances, you know, best offensive player for the team, all things considered. He's also been called up for the Puerto Rican national team. In fact, he's there right now. He's a, a very good, very young prospect. He's only 17 years old. And Oscar Pereja was not afraid to share a ton of praise for the young kid. Um, it, it's been really, really interesting to see because he is tiny. <laughs> I mean, like he is, he is a small player. What Oscar said was here, here's the quote. First time I saw him, he was turning 16 and then coach Marcelo Nevelev, who was the coach of OCB and the coaches were talking to me about him. I saw him. He was so small, you know, so young, but so small. And then we invited him to our trainings, and the first thing I saw was such a personality, courage, and braveness. And that lefty is very creative and crafty. He's learned through the process that he needs to get stronger, but Wilfredo has a lot of talent. We're proud to sign him. He's still young. I think he will be small forever, but that quality that he has is tremendous, and we're very proud, and I hope the best for him. Now, the interesting thing with Rivera is that before all of this happened with him signing a homegrown deal, he actually committed to play college soccer for the University of South Florida. 
And when he announced that he was going to be, you know, going to USF, that was back in December. So three months later, he's signing a homegrown deal with Orlando City. And it just so happens that Bob Butehorn, the coach of USF, I've gotten to know. So I naturally reached out to Bob and asked him, like, tell me, what, what, what's going on here? What, what's, uh, what's the word about this? You know, because uh, we talked a couple months ago, I think in early March or late February, about Wilfredo. And he was telling me that uh, he was super excited for him to come, but he knew that there was a possibility that he could be signed to a homegrown deal because Oscar liked him a lot. And then following up with him when the signing it was announced, he said he couldn't be prouder for uh, Wilfredo and that he knew he was, you know, it, it was a risk that we took to sign Wilfredo. He knew that his parents valued an education, but if the opportunity arose to play professional soccer, that he would absolutely jump at it. Um, but the biggest thing was getting the contract the way he wanted it and to make him and his family happy. They were able to do that, and so Coach Butehorn was, uh, you know, basically said, uh, "Take my blessing and and go forth into the world, young man." So that is what Il Wilfredo Rivera will potentially bring to Orlando City. I don't think he'll get too much playing time this year, uh, though he has gotten some minutes through the preseason. So that is the story of Wilfredo Rivera. Other moves that Orlando City has made: Kyle Smith re-signed to a new contract. He was an interesting signing because when he was brought in, he was part of the James O'Connor regime. And if you remember, James O'Connor had his guys from Louisville, which was Greg Ranjitsing and Kyle Smith. So naturally, when James O'Connor leaves, you think Greg Ranjitsing and Kyle Smith are gone. Greg Ranjitsing, yes. Kyle Smith, no. He stays around. He's a cheap veteran. He, he's got some talent. You know, and, and the new coaching staff and the, and the new, uh, well, the old uh, staff behind the scenes, Luis Muzi and 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 uh, company, they they basically said, yeah, he's good value. We'll keep it along. Why not? We need veteran. We need veteran fullback depth. And now, fast forward another year later, they signed him to a new contract. So all things considered, Kyle Smith, he's 29 years old and he's still getting deals as a as a fullback and it's, it's impressive. Yeah. It's very impressive. It's something about the name, you know. And having the name having the name Kyle just really screams consummate professional <laughs> you know, in uh, eternally hireable, very good looking, just, you know, all overall I, I think that that's really what served him. Yes. But yeah, Kyle. no, it's a it's a it's a low cost it's a low cost veteran backup that that would be served. And again, I said about this earlier with with even Vanderwater at his worst, just being a <laughs> being someone there to, to fill a spot and not throw away a game. In MLS, in order to be successful, you have to have a good amount of players like that. You have to mm -hmm. have guys who can fill a void if somebody gets injured or someone's suspended or someone has diarrhea before the game and you've got to have someone <laughs> there who can fill the spot and not have it be something that everybody looks at and goes, oh, shit, we're going to lose. So bringing him back, someone who's been fine 
nobody, nobody's gonna sit here and say he's been he's been outstanding, but nobody's to sit here and, and and you know dump on him either. He's been he's been fine. He's been a a, a serviceable player, and will continue to be that, and, and, which I think is totally fine. And I think it's one of those things again with Orlando City, and I think with MLS in general, with with a lot of clubs at least. Normally, when you see that a guy in his late twenties is getting re-signed or signed to a club, those guys are getting signed to start five years ago, right? You're signing a guy like that who's going to come in and like be your best player, which is really bad, and it was at the mm-hmm. time too. And that has changed since then, which is a really good thing for MLS and for Orlando City specifically because there are still some clubs that have not made that mindset change, that have not made that philosophical change as a club where they're still operating under these this old MLS idea and i think orlando city up until bringing in pareja was one of those clubs and so i think this is a a really good thing to see is like hey yeah we're bringing in this you know we're bringing back this veteran backup who you know may or may not ever actually do anything great for us but it doesn't matter because we don't we don't need him to produce anything great we just need him to be here and and be a body be helpful behind the scenes with a lot with some of these younger players you know, using his veteran experience to help them grow, but also just, you know, we're not counting on him to start and win games for us. I am the type of person that doesn't talk negative. I am definitely not the person type of person who does, who does not talk negative. I've been surprisingly positive for this entire podcast, you have been. by the way. Yes. And welcome back, Macho Man. It's been like eight months since I've actually pulled up Macho Man here. Um, I just remembered that he existed, so I figured I'd get him uh, one of his lines for the day. But uh, El Soldado, the soldier, is what Oscar Pereja calls Kyle Smith because he's always ready for war. Anytime, uh, anytime in sports that a white guy gets given a nickname by someone of any other ethnicity, you know that that dude's great. Like, <laughs> like that's one of those, like, as a white person... It's how you know that that man, I made it. Like I, I did it. Like I'm not a piece of garbage. I'm not a terrible person. Guy, I've I've contributed something here. So you know, maybe maybe he's better than we think he is. Maybe he's maybe he's better than we give him credit for. He's he's just he's a consummate professional, and sometimes that's exactly what you need in a situation. Exactly. Now. We talked about Daryl DK a little earlier. Let's go a little bit more in depth into what Daryl DK has been up to overseas. Uh, I mean, good God. Did you see his goal for Barnsley that he had uh, a couple weeks ago? I did. So, so you know how, you know, over the last couple of years, the Orlando City, I've kept telling you guys, you know, I'm going to watch them. I'm going to watch them this year. And then it's impossible to watch them because there's nowhere to find their games. If you live in Orlando, it's ridiculous, but with Barnsley playing in, in the championship and me having ESPN Plus paying for an entire year of it before a month later Verizon gave out an entire year for free, <laughs> you know, it just sounds, you know, it's, it's my luck. Um, I have watched not every game, but I have at least had every game on in the background. I, I work weekend mornings, so it's one of those just it's kind of there in the background, but I have been able to pay attention and watch them, which has been great. Um, man. I know Gavin made, you know, wrote something about it and talked about it, basically saving Barnsley's season, but he has like he, he is he is he is injected that team with a whole new sense of confidence and sense of hey, we might actually make the playoff 
I don't think they'll. <laughs> I don't think there's a chance they get promoted, but I do think there's a chance that they're competitive for a playoff spot. And I think you, that comes down to to DK showing up and, you know, balling out over there. I bet five goals in eleven games thus far for Daryl DK. He is being courted by some of the top <laughs> top clubs in the Premiership. And he's twenty years old. Uh, Fifty. And I'd also like I'd also like to reiterate this before you say what you're going to say, Kyle. (laughs) He was drafted in the MLS Super Draft, fifth overall. That means that four other picks went before him. Two of them belonging to Inter Miami, and they decided, (laughs) you know what, Daryl DK. He's not for us. No, but this is... He's, he's just not for us. So so this is what I talked about earlier when I talked about how having the club mindset where we have these older, more experienced players who can help bring up these younger guys, I, I'm sure he would even say some of these more... Playing with a guy like Nani who had been at the highest levels of professional soccer, playing with someone like that is going to teach you things that you're not going to learn anywhere else. And, and actually, I had also read... There was an article, I believe, in The Athletic about... Daryl DK and about his rise and, and and playing soccer in Oklahoma and talking about how like if you live in the middle of the country you're not getting scouted by a lot of people right you're not getting the same opportunities that someone living on on the east or west coast is going to get right there's just not as many clubs around there's not as many opportunities so this dude has been so mo- and that's what kind of the article was touching on this dude has been so motivated and so just like, man, I I have to work 10 times harder. You know, he could have gone it, living in, in a state like Oklahoma. If you can play football, right, and, and you can play football relatively well, you're going to go play somewhere else. That's the very highly recruited state for something like that. I mean, he could play football right. the way he's built. Nobody thinks when they're thinking about you know, where we're going to find good soccer players, they don't come from places like Oklahoma typically. And what his, one of his motivations has been is, no, but we can't. We can be found here. We are here. And with all of this, you know, they don't come from from Oklahoma. They're not going to come from a place like that. His mentality was, nah, screw that. I'm going to show you that we can. And I'm going to show you that I can succeed playing at Virginia. Virginia is a very well-known school, right? People know of, it's not like he played for some random D2 school, right? Or anything, anything bizarre. Virginia is a is a well-known and well-respected school. And then coming mm-hmm. here and playing for Orlando City, immediately, you know, hitting the ground running and then going to Barnsley, which I think a lot of, I don't think anyone, even the most optimistic of fans expected him to be contributing in the way that he's contributing. Because it's not just the goals that he's scoring. Right, it's not just that he scored five goals in eleven games. It's the presence that he has on the field and the difference that he has made for that club. You can see the energy when he is on the field of not just him but the players around him, and that's something that I mean, that's lightning in a bottle. That's something you wish you had from every player. That's something that you and I, you know, both as as with 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 Chelsea and with Manchester United, right? We wish there were more players like that. On those because mm-hmm. we'd be like, man, we'd be so much better if we had more of these guys. And you see the difference that he makes, and it's something that you can't replace, right? And and, and every no. club needs to. Be, and I think that's what the Orlando City culture has helped produce. It's produced confidence to the point where a twenty-year-old 
can go over to England and act like it's nothing and just show up and be like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to score. So what? This is easy. This is nothing. And he's made his debut for the United States, right? Playing for the national team. Nobody thought when he was drafted that this dude was going to be playing for the national team. Not even just in the short-term future. This was not someone, this was not a highly touted, like, this guy uh, could potentially uh, be really. They're, they're not, not saying that there wasn't the potential, but it wasn't one of those, like, oh, yeah, this guy's, this guy's go, going to be, like, amazing. MLS is just going to be a stop in his career. Uh, he had the talent and had the There potential. were some people that were saying that, to be fair. Okay. People were saying that he should have been the number one overall pick and that he was he was uh, the heir apparent to Kyle Laren in the fact that he would be the next big MLS star to leave. Fair because enough. Because of the way he was built. You know, you, you can't teach size. That's the old NBA saying, but it works in this instance just the same. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I'll, I'll give you that. When I say no one was saying it, there were some people saying it. I don't think that was the general consensus. I think the general consensus was, yeah, you know, he'll develop. I, I, I think a lot of people, including all of us, we didn't think that he was going to contribute right away. Well, you say that, oh. but I'll give some roses to, to to TV's Hollywood Brad Newton. He called not only that Daryl DK would play in the season, but that he would be rookie of the year biggest surprise of the year and one of the leading goal scorers he called it back in february of 2020 i'll give it to i'll give it to tv's hollywood's brad newton typically a nostradamus when it comes to sports for a True. minute i was really worried you were going to say gavin had predicted it and then i was gonna have to <laughs> no. retire from he, the show. I, I think he picked kamal miller yeah, I think I think most people thought DK was going to be a decent player and and by year 2, year 3 would be, you know, turning into something really good. I, I don't think people thought he was going to be a bust or that he wasn't going to do anything. I think it was just one of those things that was yeah, he's you know, it might take a little time, but he's going to play. Um mm -hmm. and then, you know, in such a weird year that we had last year, he he balled out and he showed that he was worthy of going to play overseas. Well, all we can say right now about Daryl DK and his his ceiling is growing, 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 and more seductive than sex. Couldn't have said it better myself, to be honest. Can't argue with that. Well, we'll continue to keep track of Daryl DK and to see if he ends up coming back to Orlando City. Oscar Pereja says he's in their future plans and that he'll be coming back, but time will tell. Yeah, he has to say that. That's... Well, we'll see. We'll see in a month. Once the season for Barnsley ends, then we'll know. But we we can we can talk about that in a in another show down the line. Since we've already gone forty five minutes into just talking about Orlando City, uh, I want to breeze through a couple of other things. The Jonathan Suarez situation, boy, that escalated quickly. Yeah, so so I want to I want to say I mean we as a show have have really been very open about our 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 beliefs on things and our stances on things. I don't think we've ever been like in a political or obviously this is a political thing, but we've not been one to like beat around the bush with with hot button issues. Um, this is a good riddance, goodbye. You know, enjoy being behind bars, or at least you better be enjoying. Uh, he is currently on bond uh he's been posting videos of him working out in a gym as of late so just to 
wrap up uh, what has happened in, in, in a nice little bow. So he was signed basically what was what was the date he was signed he was signed on february 3rd of this year he was then arrested on february 23rd a whole 20 days later and charged with sexual assault then 5 days later the club terminated the contract of jonathan suarez so I, he was with the club less than a full calendar month. I really appreciate that the club was willing to to cut the ties that quickly. I know part of it was that he was so new, so maybe it would have been different if it had been a longer-serving player in a situation like that. But we look at, like, in the NFL, you see what's going on with Deshaun Watson, right, being accused of. Now it's 19 accusers with Sports Illustrated just yesterday, as of, as of when we were recording this. Had, had put out a report that, you know, they had corroborated from this witness and, and had investigated and found no reason to doubt it. Um, and he's still with the team. He's not suspended. There's no sort of, nothing has really happened. It's just, yeah, we're investigating. And so Orlando took, took the stance of going, nah, this is, this is, this is not okay. This is not going to fly. We're not going to sit here and go, well, you know, we got to find out the whole story. We got to like, no, we know <laughs> we've seen, We've heard, you know, this is a thing. This is not. This is not a thing we put up with. And it's it's one of those. You know, we, you talk about culture change. Not that Orlando City had a culture of, of things like that, but but societally, right? A lot of times like that, someone someone could be accused of something like that, and nothing would ever happen, no matter what the evidence was that existed, especially athletes right and so the fact that and, and this is not someone who was contributing a ton this is not someone who was like a star player so so i do think you know realistically i think that's part of what made the decision easier but i'd like to think that the approach from the club was this just ain't gonna fly no matter who it is i hope to god we never have to find out if they would do this to another mm -hmm. player right like i i hope this is not a thing that we ever have to hear about again because sexual assault and sexual harassment is not a thing that 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 obviously should exist. It is ridiculous, um, just the absurdity of, of of the fact that this still happens in the way that it does. But uh, you know, I, good on the club for making the decision pretty quickly to be like, nope, <laughs> done, not doing this, not putting up with this. They they moved swiftly. That was the biggest thing. They didn't let it linger. Um, you know, the, the club mutually came to a decision, according to the statement, uh, so that Suarez could uh, focus on the allegations made against him. Uh, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with him. But like you said, good riddance. You move on if you're Orlando City. And so we move on here in, in the show. Let's talk about the U.S. Open Cup. This has become an interesting topic because... Last year, the U.S. Open Cup was canceled due to COVID, and that was completely understandable. And then this year, they announced how the qualification for the 2021 Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup would go about. And it it's not great. It's really kind of dumb. It's the actually. U.S. Closed Cup. It really is. So in order to qualify for the U.S. CC. The first three weeks of the MLS regular season play are going to be what determines if you make it or not. God, that's... Uh. Yeah. 
So, the U.S.-based MLS teams with the highest number of regular season points per game at the conclusion of the first three weeks of the MLS play will qualify. So it's like, hey, you guys just finished preseason. Go and qualify for the biggest tournament in the in the country. Yeah, I I just I mean I don't understand the the concept of changing changing the way it's working anyway, unless it's only it's just for, for this, this year. year. So uh, uh, if they're trying to play on on a more truncated schedule, I guess I can kind of understand a logic behind that. But basing it off of the first three, like you're better off basing it off of results from last season than basing it off of the first three weeks of this season. I'm sorry. You might, That's, I mean, you might as well have just said, okay, top four teams last year from the West, top four teams from yeah. the East. You guys make it. Yeah, because instead of being like, nah, first three weeks, let's fi- let's just let's just throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. Right, because even if even if the the teams that were top four at each conference last year have changed and they're not as good as they were before and that's you know that happens right especially mm-hmm. in in american sports leagues where there's, there's a lot more forced parity but you're not going to get a great picture of if we only looked at the first three weeks of a season in any sport and then you look at the end of the season i'd be willing to bet probably 80 percent of the time the top teams at that point after three weeks are not the top teams at the end Right, someone can have a rough start, a slower start, um, and then tear up the rest of the season, or someone can have a great start and then realize, oh, we're not actually good, and then collapse. Like judging it off of the first three weeks is, is, is just, I mean, oh man, that is, whoo, all right, that's, it's, it's dumb. I, I just, I don't get it. It's I, very dumb. There's no lot. There I, can't I think- be any logic behind that. I'm trying to I'm trying to figure it out, and I've been trying to figure it out since they announced this. I think it was two days ago. I just I want to hear an explanation. I want to hear the reasoning because there must be some sort of reasoning they have that makes sense. But this doesn't, and it also, I mean, the bigger reason it doesn't make sense. Even though I understand this is only for this year, the U.S. Open Cup is supposed to be every club plays in the Open Cup, and we find out who or at the least best gets is. the chance to. Right, right. Not oh, we only you know pick and choose a couple that play in this like come on that's that's that defeats the whole purpose of the cup it's it's not the u.s open cup this year just say you're not having the open cup this year i mean here's here's the fun thing what happens if the worst teams from last year get off to the best start ever and the best teams from last year get off to the worst starts possible by the end of the year the best teams are the best the worst teams are the worst again but then you have the worst U.S. Open Cup pool of MLS teams possible. What happens if FC Cincinnati, the Chicago Fire, Club de Foot Montreal, and D.C. United are the, the four of the eight that make it from the east, and then Houston, Real Salt Lake, Vancouver Whitecaps, and the San Jose Earthquakes are from the west. Those are the best teams over the f- first four games of the season, first three games of the season. And then you get all the USL teams that come in and beat them super easily. I think that would be kind of just fun. I'm here for the chaos, to be completely honest. Yeah, I mean, you're saying you're saying what if? That's absolutely what's going to happen. There will be at least two teams, most likely more, that, that make it into this new Open Cup that will not be playoff teams at the end of the year. That is my freezing you know put me on freezing cold takes if i turn out to be wrong but there will be at least at least two clubs 
that make it into the Open Cup that will not be playoff teams or will be like, hey, they squeaked in as an eight seed. They will not be, you know, competing for for the MLS Cup. I just it because it happens in every sport at any level, whether it's youth level or not. It, the first couple weeks are a joke. Come on, it's ridiculous. It is. Well, we'll see what happens in the first couple weeks of the season. Again, it starts April 17th. Now, last couple things for Orlando City. The League's Cup. Orlando City, because of their performance last year, qualified for the League's Cup. They get to play uh, a number of Mexican teams. uh, So that not only... If if they don't make the U.S. Open Cup, oh well, you know, you get the League's Cup. At least you still get another tournament to be able to play in. And this one probably at a bigger stage than the U.S. Open Cup, the way it's formatted right now. Uh, we'll talk more about the the League's Cup once we actually know who Orlando City is going to be playing, because right now it's just an unnamed Mexican team. The other stuff I wanted to talk about when it comes to Orlando City is Lion Nation TV. Last year, and even the year prior, when YouTube TV canceled every single team's sponsorship and basically said, we're not going to broadcast your games anymore. Teams didn't know what to do. Then the pandemic hit, and it really kind of shortchanged some of the team's budgets so that they could not actually pay for the streaming rights of their own games. Uh, for those who don't know, it costs about $100,000 that the teams have to pay to the leagues in order to broadcast their own games because the league owns the streaming rights to their games. So... Orlando City in 2021 decided to do their own streaming service by creating Lion Nation TV, which is a part of the Lion Nation app or Lion Nation Premium. Lion Nation Premium, you get a number of different uh, benefits. And they've had this for the last couple of years now, where you get like, you know, points for going to games, or you get a discount on food and beverages, you get access to different fan experiences. Uh, you get a complimentary Orlando Pride ticket and priority access to ticket pre-sales, and that's all $60 a month, or $60 a year, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, 60 bucks a month is a bit too much. That's like the cost of a ticket per game every month, which no nobody wants to be doing there. Now, they have added Lion Nation TV into the Lion Nation Premium, so you're still paying 60 bucks a year, and you get all of that stuff I mentioned earlier, but now you also get all the locally televised games on your app. All included. Which is a pretty good deal, all things considered. And credit to Orlando City for for finding something that works not only for them, because they're still getting money for it, and they don't have to rely on a third-party service, necessarily. They're basically doing it through themselves. My, I think I think the whole thing is, is huge. I think my only question is, how well is this going to work watching it? on on anything other than like a mobile phone app so so we'll see that that's my only question is what will the quality of the streaming service be will it not work the first game because too many people are using it whatever but i think those things are easily fixed um it's gonna be it's gonna take some time to to figure out and a lot of the bugs because first off lion nation app as a whole is very buggy uh from what people have told me now when you have to cast games from your mobile phone or tablet to your tv how buggier will that make it 
Look, I'm just... How will the quality be? Will it be potato quality or will it be 1080p? I am just... We don't know. A simple man asking for a simple thing. Lion Nation TV, Apple TV app, please. I think that's going to be down the ro- down the line. I, I, I have a feeling that if they want to make this a viable thing for the future that they're going to have to make it more accessible for tv oh, apps. Dude, i will i will as long as like i'll wait maybe a week just to see but if this is something that works and the games are watchable even if i have to watch it from my computer or hook my computer up to the tv or whatever if it's workable yeah i'm, I'm doing it easily because there's so many games that you can't see normally because we get blacked out which is also mm-hmm. ridiculous why and the only league in sports worse than MLS at, at you know stopping fans from watching their team is Major League Baseball. But it's just <laughs> it's ridiculous, man. If people want to watch their club, if people want to watch if the game's on ESPN and they live in Orlando, who cares? They should be able to watch the game. You know, or ESPN mm-hmm. plus, I mean, not not regular ESPN, but yeah, yeah. Like the idea of blacking out is is absurd. And so if this gives me an opportunity to watch more games, I will absolutely pay I'd pay the $60 a year. I'd probably pay more just to be able to watch all these games. But my my question is, will the app actually work? Will it function? And I, it won't in the beginning. It hopefully will over time. I think that's probably exactly how it's going to go. You give it a couple of weeks after the beginning of the season by hopefully mid-April or mid-May. It'll be working perfectly. Now, when you talk about national team games, uh, nationally televised games, Orlando City actually has eight, I believe, or nine technically. They have four ESPN and three Fox Sports 1 games and then two Unimas games out of the 31 games that you'll be watching through the season. Man, I think that's – I think that's, and part of that is with Orlando City getting better. <laughs> More <laughs> games are going to be on TV, right? This isn't like a couple years ago where it was really difficult to get an Orlando City game on TV – even locally, people weren't watching Orlando City. So I think, I think having these more nationally televised games is going to be huge, and I think it, it comes from the team being better. Absolutely. Now, last thing for Orlando City, the New Jersey. Bad. I want your hot takes, Kyle. It's bad. What do you think of the – hold on. What do you think of the new thick and thin primary jersey? It's bad. Please expound on the word bad. Why is it bad? I would rather get run over and have literal tire tracks across my face reminiscent of the old jerseys than, than look at these. Stripes are what bad. What makes it so bad? Uh, stripes are bad. I don't like them. Okay. So that is a personal preference. It's not even It's not even that. It's it's I don't, and, and this is like a whole other, we could spend like two hours. Of it. I hate, I hate that every Adidas jersey looks the exact same. That they're all the same style. It's all whatever new thing they've come up with, and they all look similar. Dude, Orlando City has the coolest potential colors to use. Like, purple is our main color. Mm-hmm. We've got some gold, got white, obviously, and you can use black. Like, there's so many things you can do with a purple jersey, and Orlando City is like, nah, we're cool. Because Adidas, so we've got to make this look like literally every other jersey on the planet. It's it's dumb. I just, man, I wish we could be cool. I wish things could be. And that's not an Orlando problem. That's an MLS and an Adidas problem. But just, well, 
see, you say you say all these things about Adidas, and then I see Seattle's and, new jerseys, and I yeah, I was about them. to say that Jimi Hendrix jersey from the Sounders, like that's an Adidas purple kit right there. Yeah, how how is it how 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 is it that Seattle can have a better looking purple jersey than the club whose main color is purple? This is ridiculous. This is at this point, I just want Mickey Mouse on the front of a jersey. <laughs> just, just, just embrace being a joke when it comes to our jerseys. I don't care. Produce on the field, whatever. Nah, but I'm not gonna buy a jersey if it looks like crap. I want something cool. If they sent, if they sent you a thick and thin jersey for free, would not would wear you it. wear it? Would not wear no. it. Part of that's just because I've gained a lot of weight last year, and I wouldn't wear any jersey in public. <laughs> but I certainly wouldn't wear that. I do not like it. And people are like, oh, it looks better when you see the players wear it. I'm like, dude, these dudes are like the athletes, man. They're supposed to look good wearing anything. It's A jersey has to look good when just the average person is wearing it. Let's see most of the average person wearing this. I don't like, oh, it looks good when Nani's wearing it. Like, Nani's like a professional athlete. Like, that dude's body is supposed to look good no matter what. <laughs> it's, jerseys are bad. I don't like them. But that's 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 more of my complaint with Adidas. I, I don't like the lack of creativity. I mean, yeah, no. Adidas is trash, and we all know it. And, and Seattle, Seattle also, I think, in most things in life, is just the exception to the rule. I think just, like... <laughs> You expect a place like Seattle to find a way to get something cool looking, and just as <laughs> I mean, as the saying goes, life finds a way. Indeed. <laughs> All right, Orlando City plays a preseason friendly against FC Cincinnati, so they say on the schedule today. Uh, you'll hear about it after it's over, because it's closed to everybody, and the regular season starts April seventeenth. Excitement. Get excited. Now, we've spent over an hour talking about Orlando City alone. We've still got a lot to talk about. Strap yourselves in, folks. We're going into the Orlando Pride. As of yesterday, they have made two moves to their roster since we last recorded. They have added Ali Heron, the hero of the Fall Classic, the NWSL Fall Classic that they played uh, Ali Heron scored the game-tying goal against the North Carolina Courage in the last game of the tournament, or the four-game series. And she was rewarded with a one-year deal with the Pride. Now, conversely, they announced yesterday that they are trading Jordan Listro to Kansas City for a third-round pick. This was a bit surprising because Jordan Listro had just gotten called up to the Canadian national team. She played in the She Believes tournament, and she was starting to get much, much better. And then all of a sudden, poof, she's gone. And I've read into, maybe a little bit too much, into what the statement said in regards to the trade. Uh, General Manager Ian Fleming had this to say. Jordan has been a consummate professional during her time here with the Pride putting in the work every day since joining us in the fall series last season and being a great teammate for the locker room. Jordan's short-term goals, this is the important part, Jordan's short-term goals have evolved positively as a result of her recent international call-ups and we're happy to come to a deal that not only provides her with an opportunity to meet those goals, but that gives the pride a valuable asset for the future. Kyle, when you hear that, 
What does that sound like to you? Sounds like she wanted to go somewhere else. But why? And, and maybe I'm just the wrong person to ask because I've not watched as much, which which is part of one of the things I want to bring up. Hopefully, Lion Nish TV actually provides us with more pride content because uh, it's not it's not super accessible to be able to find and watch. But I think one of the things that that as someone who doesn't follow the pride as closely, one of the things that it kind of appears, and maybe I'm wrong. But it appears like the pride seemed to kind of be treated by the front office as kind of an afterthought. Like, Not as much as they used to be because I, they have hired changed. Ian Fleming. What I was going to say with, with this scenario of Jordan Listro, because the midfield is so saturated with talent right now, there was no guarantee that she was going to get playing time. At, at best, she was going to be a reserve first person off the bench kind of player which i suppose is a, is a good thing for the club that if a player in a position like that is wanting to go somewhere else because they're going to actually get playing time that shows that hey we're competitive here and maybe you know obviously this is just in 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 the midfield but hey you know we're competitive enough that that you someone who is getting caught up to your national team are going to have to compete to have an opportunity to play you know, I, I guess that is a good thing that, that bodes well for the future of the, of the team. Right. And that's the biggest thing. From from what I read into that statement, it sounded like the Pride had so much in the midfield. They have Maggie Doherty Howard. They have uh, Gunny Young's daughter. They have Erica Timrak. They have Taylor Korniak. They have Marissa Vigiano. They have Jade Moore. And that's just the tip of the iceberg for midfielders. I could go into some of the younger players, too. That's a, a huge amount of depth when it comes to midfielders alone. And you can only have so many on the field at one time. And Meggie Doherty Howard and Gunny Young's daughter and Erica Timrak, those are three that are going to get a lot of playing time. Jade Moore, she's an English international. Marissa Vigiano, she's the linchpin when it comes to connecting the defense to the offense. She is incredible, uh, according to Mark Skinner. So where is their place for Jordan Listro within that. It doesn't seem like there is. So Jordan Listro, who's an up-and-coming Canadian women's national team player, decided, hey, I need to go somewhere where I can thrive more. So this is why this is why I think the deal was made. And yeah. it makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. With the Pride, they're starting their season April 10th against Louisville. The Challenge Cup begins. It's a four-game Challenge Cup they play at Lynn Family Stadium against James O'Connor's Racing Louisville. He's part of their front office, not their coaching staff. Uh, just kind of find that funny. Uh, then they play Sky Blue at Exploria Stadium on April 14th. Then Washington Spirit on April 21st. And finally, at North Carolina Courage on May 1st. Then that leads up into the NWSL season, which the schedule has yet to be announced. All things considered, this could be very big for the Orlando Pride. From what I've seen, because I've actually been to one of their preseason games myself, um, one of the very few people that have, because they're not letting too many people in there anyways, I actually got to see some of the game, and God, they look good. They look really good. They look like they actually know what they're doing out there now, compared to years past. Uh, it seems like everybody is just a bit more happy when it comes to being around that team. The hope of the matter is that they perform and that they actually play well, and that will start in just uh, less than two weeks. Last thing for the Pride. 
Their new jerseys come out today. I have seen a glimpse of it. You've seen a glimpse and of a bright future. Someone could say it's 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 pretty far out. Like out of this world? Yeah. Mm, I wonder what that could mean. I mean, the club has been teasing that the fact that it's a space-themed jersey for the last couple hours now. So, yeah, if you haven't guessed, it it's space-themed. I, I, I saw that in the show notes. I was reading through after we had already spoken about the Orlando City jerseys. And now I'm just even more angry about how stupid the Adidas jerseys are. Because <laughs> you to... could have gotten a you could have gotten a space themed city like, jersey. Like UCF have the coolest looking uniforms in all of college football, and anybody who who says otherwise, I will literally fight you. <laughs> I wouldn't because I'd get demolished. But and then the idea of, of of the pride adding some great looking jer- jerseys to like, come on, man. Orlando City is going to look like trash. Going to look like every other club with an Adidas sponsorship. It's ridiculous. I'm excited. By the time people listen to this, we'll have already seen what the the Pride jerseys should have looked like or will look like for the most part. So I'm sitting here as we're recording this like, man, come on. Come on. Give me. I got to know. I got to see it. (laughs) Well, by the time this recording actually shows up or comes out, you'll probably be ending up seeing it. So. Oh yeah. Oh, and I'll I'll probably I'll be even more outraged than I am now because I'm sure I'll love it and I may even buy it. And I don't even watch the Pride because it's like I mentioned earlier, like it's not something that's easy to watch, like easy to find. It's well, not the, let I me just, ask you this: Do you have CBS All Access? I do now. Or I did Paramount. Before. What, what's it called? Paramount Plus now. Par- Paramount Plus now. Yeah. Par- Paramount Plus has all well, NWSL games. But will it be blacked out? No. Okay, then I will absolutely be watching the Orlando Pride this season. Like, that's my – it's been my thing with, with Orlando City too, but with both of the clubs, it's like I want to watch as many games as I can, and I would watch more if it was easier to find. Like, and I use my Apple TV to watch a lot of things. So even when it's on, like, oh, it's on local TV, I'm like, cool, I don't have that on there. It's not a thing I can do very easily, and it's not worth the effort. So, yeah, absolutely, dude. If they're on Paramount+, Plus. I'll be watching. I'll be watching games all season, and I'll actually contribute to our conversations about the Orlando Pride because yes, I want I to. Like, I follow. I follow the live tweets about games, and I see stuff, but that's not the same as watching it. You can't break down games if you can't see shit. Right. Abs- exactly. We'll talk more about the Pride as the first game comes a bit closer. Hopefully, we'll get some interviews with some people from the Pride, since we're getting back into getting interviews again. On to the later hard part of our show because we've gone got quite a while here. It's, it's right, going to be a produ- long show. First show in a month. We're producing great content for the people. We've got a lot to make up for that we've missed. It's all good. Exactly right. Now, on to the OCB apparent. The heir apparent of OCB. The OC Academy 23s. There was a big question as to what was going to happen with Orlando City B after they left USL League One at the end of the season last year. The big thing was going to be that they were going to be joining the new MLS Reserve League. However, that couldn't get started until probably 2022 at the earliest. So instead, Orlando City decided, you know what? We're just going to go and play in a smaller league. You know, we, we want our kids to get some playing time. We want them to not only 
get some playing time, but play against, you know, potential players, you know, bigger players, not necessarily more talented players, because let's face it, the league that they're playing in is is not talent. It's just men. So it's the United Premier Soccer League, which has a number of teams in the state of Florida, and they're going to be playing at the very least a nine-game season. That's just for spring. There's also the potential for a fall season, which would be around September. So from March until June, they'll be playing a a nine-game season. Now, their first game, which was against Deportivo Lake Mary, they won 3-0. And the players that played in that game were a smattering of U15, U17, U19, and U23 players, as well as former OCB players. And they they made it look easy. You know, there were there were kids out there. There were 15 and 14-year-olds that were playing against grown men that were making them look silly. That's impressive. Very impressive. Yeah, I think, you know, I had to look up just, just to double-check how long the league had been around. The league's been around for 25 years, right? Mm-hmm. And there is no solidified, like, reserve it's a Sunday or league. academy it's a Sunday system. League. Right. So the idea that Orlando City, a club that we believe, and I, and I really do believe this, wants to invest in youth and wants to develop their youth, and a league that claims to want to develop youth and push younger players, right? MLS as a marketing, you know, idea or as a money-making idea doesn't mm-hmm. want to be a retirement league. They want to be a league that produces and sells young talent. Mm-hmm. The idea that there is that there won't be like a league sanctioned reserve league until maybe next year if we're lucky is just ridiculous. Like I like the name Deportivo Lake Mary made me chuckle when I first read it. <laughs> like because this is clearly not like a like a really so like this is the thing where we should every club should have a you know team two, right? Yes. You should have every club should have their B team or two team or whatever the league decides they want to call it. It should all be the exact same. They should all play in their own league. They're not playing against random USL teams or or you know whatever other acronyms we have for all these random leagues that keep popping up and disappearing every every other year. But, you know, part of the reason why these other countries are so bad, and part of this goes into the, the, the Olympic qualifying thing, which we'll talk about in, in, in a little bit too, like there is no genuine investment or, or care in youth soccer in America. And every uh, other... Comparatively, uh, yes. However, right, let, right. let me go back to this real quick, because you say like in the case of Orlando City, because they opted out of League One and were going to join the Reserve League, That's just one case, because most of the teams that exist in MLS have a USL affiliate that is either owned or just an affiliation with them. And that's within the USL Championship and USL League One. But that's but that's such a that's such a like backwards way of going about it, because it should be every club. Like, look at the the Premier League. There's the Premier League Two, which is all of the clubs, U23 teams. Right. Mm hmm. And so they have all of their younger players playing at a very high competitive level, yeah. right? Those players are not bad. And a lot of times those guys are guys who are right on the edge of making it to the first team. 
Well, that's what they're hoping that they're going to do with the MLS Reserve League. Yeah, but it's, and I think, obviously, I think creating the MLS Reserve League is going to be great, but why is is it that the, the league started the year I was born? So my entire life has gone by, and MLS might have a Reserve League next year. No, they had one. They had one years ago, back in the early 2010s. But it was so mismanaged and so poorly done that it didn't actually last. Yeah. So this is their I, second. This is their second. God, that's even worse. That's e- it's even worse than them never. The doing MLS, it. the MLS Reserve League, officially existed from 2005 to 2014, and most of those teams, especially in the 2010s, actually played a USL schedule against the USL uh, Championship is now what it's called, but USL Pro back then. Well, part of that part part of this all too though, I think is something that that wouldn't be an issue if the United States played soccer like the rest of the world plays soccer. You know what I mean? Like we have our own every league is its own entity and everything's different and the clubs are are owned by the league, you, you know, it's Sports all Sports work entity. differently over here compared to over there. Right. Like like if you know, you wouldn't have reserve teams playing in usl if usl was the second division of u.s soccer and you were getting promoted or relegated between the different levels right you wouldn't have reserve teams playing in those leagues because that wouldn't be an option so part of the big issue comes from just the way soccer is treated here and that's the thing and again it comes back to to talk about our, our our failures is with olympic qualifying and even with our men's national team like there's a reason these other countries every other country for the most part, does it this way and are all significantly more successful with soccer than we are. Like, maybe don't try to reinvent the wheel, especially when you've only been doing this for, for you know, short of three decades. Maybe just see what these other successful places are doing and going, hey, we can do it, but we have more superior athletes because we have better athletes in the United States than any other country in the world that plays soccer. I firmly believe that because we have more people. But I know that we have better athletes. So if we treated soccer, especially at the youth level, that all of these other countries treated it, we would absolutely qualify. Qualifying for the Olympics would never be a question, right? Competing in World Cups would never be in question because we would be we would be taking it seriously to the level that a country like Mexico takes youth soccer, right? It's the reason that their their younger players are always so good. We just have a higher ceiling than a country like that because we have more people and we just we just don't do it. We just don't spend the money on it and we don't do it this way. We try to think, well, we can do it our own way and we'll figure it out as we go. And yeah, they'll just go play in this other league that's sort of division two, maybe not. Who knows? Who knows what the tiers are? And in two years, they all have different names anyway, so it doesn't matter. And yeah, you know, a uh, 15-year-old Kyle. played in MLS, so... Kyle. Oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters, no. It's true. Eat Arby's. Eat Arby's. The point of the matter is, the U.S. doesn't take youth soccer seriously. We, we've seen that, especially with the most recent Olympic qualifying. They, they hired Jason Kreiss as their coach. Look how that turned out. It speaks for itself. We'll talk about that in a second, but I want to get to UCF and Rollins soccer uh, because we've been talking quite a bit. So UCF, we'll start with the men, go to the women. UCF men's soccer, they're playing a 10-game season. It's not long, but it's a season. 
Now, for those who have actually been paying attention to UCF soccer uh, and you've been watching from home, you may have heard me on the broadcast for ESPN. Uh, I've had the, the pleasure of calling all the games, and I'll be calling the game this Friday as they take on SMU at home for their last home game of the season. Potentially, they could be hosting a semifinal game for the American Athletic Conference or potentially the whole tournament. We shall see. Only four teams make the American Conference tournament. There's six teams playing this season. Right now, UCF, sitting at 5-3, and three, are second behind Tulsa. SMU, currently third at 4-3. and three. SMU and UCF play this Friday, which means the winner of that will most likely be in the driver's seat to make the conference tournament. So it's a must-win game in this stage for UCF. Now, they've been pretty good. They started out really, really bad, couldn't find any offense. They lost their first three of four. But I was talking to Coach Scott Calabrese a multitude of times. And over the course of the season, he's seen his team go from trying to figure things out, basically like in a preseason scenario, to now hitting their stride. You know, they've won four in a row, coming off a huge double overtime win against USF. And at the time, USF was the best team in the conference. And so they, they're really hitting their stride offensively as well. You know, the game before the USF game, they scored four goals against Temple. That was a fun one. Now you come up against a team in SMU who was one of the best teams in the country at one point early on in the year. While other teams are trying to find their form, they had already found it. They were beating teams 7 nothing. And now SMU gets to come to Orlando to try and find their form, having lost their last three in a row. It'll be definitely a fun time for UCF. Be sure to tune in Friday at 6 o'clock on ESPN Plus, UCF and SMU. Now, on the women's side of things, they've been kind of the opposite of the men's team. They're 2-3-1 and one right now. They haven't had a great run of form as of late. They've lost two out of three. They drew against East Carolina after conceding a very late goal in regulation and could not finish after double overtime. And then their last game against SMU was postponed. So they have one more game officially on the schedule, which is against Houston. And that's not going to be until April 11th. So they actually have a week off uh, potentially. And then they get to play uh, SMU maybe sometime before that. But they're in kind of a similar boat where they're just trying to figure themselves out, but they still haven't figured themselves out yet. Uh, they've got great buildup. They've got great passages of play, but they just don't have the finishing, uh, which was the story for the men's side of UCF early on. But they actually figured stuff out. UCF women have yet to do so. And uh, I actually got a chance to talk with Tiffany roberts Hadek and head coach of the Orlando Pride, Mark Skinner, for a story I did for the Orlando Soccer Journal earlier this past week. Shameless plug here. Uh, just talking to them both about how the relationship between the Pride and UCF women's soccer has evolved over the course of the last couple of years, especially with a number of UCF players having migrated from the college side to the professional side, not only trained with the Pride, but have also started playing with them. You have players like 
uh, Kanye Plummer, Carrie Lawrence, former player Bridget Callahan, uh, and a number of other players that have, have made their way from UCF to the Pride over the last couple of years. That relationship will continue to grow, especially if they have very talented players, as they usually tend to get. So that's it for UCF women's and men's soccer. Now on to Rollins. They've been interesting because, once again, with COVID, things aren't normal. They get to play a very truncated schedule. And by truncated, I mean a total of six games. None of these count. In fact, the conference isn't doing stats for some of these games. They're just kind of exhibitions, basically playing it like a regular spring season, which they never actually like pay attention to anyways. The men's team... They're 3-1-1. One, one. They lost their first game to Palm Beach Atlantic and have won basically every other game since. They've won three of their last four, including a 3-2 win against St. Leo, which was on the same day as a game against Florida Southern, which they won 1-0. Their last game of this small schedule is going to be on Friday, April 9th, against the University of Tampa at 6 o'clock in Tampa. And as far as I know, they will have a stream for it. Now, in that St. Leo game, uh, our guest for the day, who will be coming on here in just a bit, Mason Lamb, he scored his first, first collegiate goal. So the big 6-2 forward, who was at one point a center back in his career, now a forward, scored his first collegiate goal against St. Leo. And uh, we'll talk to him a little bit more about that and just the, the whole mentality of switching from defense to attack. Meanwhile, on the women's side, women's soccer, one and one overall. They've only been scheduled to play five games this year. Their last game was back on March 17th, where they lost 2-1 to Tampa. Their next game is scheduled for this Friday against Florida Tech in Melbourne. Then they have two more games in Winter Park against Lynn and Tampa, and those will be on April 8th which is a Thursday, and April 17th, which is a Saturday. And again, these will be broadcast, the home games for Rollins at least, will be broadcast on their website. So if you're looking for some extra soccer, that's where you'll find it. Now, without further ado, as we finish up our Rollins soccer talk, let us bring in Mason Lamb, former Orlando City B striker, to talk about What's going on with him? Why he decided to go to Rollins over trying to stay with OCB or whatever OCB is now. And uh, just what is going on with him in general. So without further ado, here is Mason Lamb. So joining me now is Rollins College freshman Mason Lamb. Mason, how you doing today? Doing amazing. Doing amazing. Uh, you should be. You're coming off your first college goal. Quite an accomplishment there. You've played a number of college games now with Rollins College. You're playing as a as a forward. Uh, is, is that going to be your position, I would assume? Yes, that's that's definitely going forward. That's what I'm going to be, number nine. Gotcha. So talk to me about college soccer, how it compares to every other level of soccer that you have played in your career thus far. Yeah, so, so far, I mean, let's see, the highest level, we had a really good U19s um when I was at Montverde in Orlando City, uh, we had a really good U19 team uh, that year, um, really good level. And then going to OCB was even a jump from there in terms of physicality, playing in, in USL1. 
you know, you're playing against grown men. It's a different ball game. Um, but I haven't noticed a huge difference coming to Rollins. We, a lot of people don't know that this, the conference they're in is the best D2 conference in the country. And, um, you know, I got friends that play UCF and I don't see a difference. I don't, I don't see a difference between our conference and theirs and a change in the level. I think we have a really strong team. And, you know, there's, I don't see a difference to be fair. Yeah, now I've I've had the the pleasure of calling games uh, for ESPN for UCF, and then I've also had uh, the pleasure of calling Rollins games from back in the day, and um, it's just ultra competitive, you know. And I've seen Rollins and UCF play each other uh, way back in the early 2010s, if that's dating me at all. But it's a very competitive conference, and and Rollins and Keith Buckley and those guys always very very good. Now, for you personally. Why Rollins? Why did why did you end up choosing uh, the Division Two school in Winter Park? Yeah, I it was an opportunity that came up kind of towards the middle of my time at OCB, and um, I've known Keith uh, growing up, and it it made it made the most sense. Uh, I had some D one offers talking to other schools, but I really believed in. Uh, what they were trying to do here. And, you know, for my development personally, my goals, uh, it was, it was the right, it was the right move. I, I trust Luke Bowden a lot. He, he's our assistant coach now and he's as good a coach as you'll find anywhere and with experience and, you know, he, as a player. And I, I, I've, that, that was why I, I chose Rollins. Yeah. And I'm and Keith and his, his supporting staff and Declan Link as well, you know, uh, those guys have been around for forever both of those guys played for the original Orlando Lions back in the early 90s. So they've been ingrained in the Orlando soccer culture for decades now. But for Luke Bowden specifically, because he has had the experience of playing with Orlando City and you with Orlando City B, how has that kind of helped uh, in your, I guess, maturation process and, and kind of the the way of, of figuring things out in, in college now? Yeah, so there was, even coming from Orlando being there my whole my whole career so far there was an adjustment period and i think what helped through that adjustment period like you said the, the maturation process was having uh bods keith there to uh to you know make sure that i keep my standards high and you know don't uh settle because it, it was always going to be an adjustment coming in and i was putting a lot of pressure on myself uh, but you know, they, they've got experience and they I think they understood that that was going to be the case. And, and now, you know, I feel myself starting to settle in. So now let's go back to um, OCB, right? Last year was was interesting, uh, all things considered, because of uh, COVID. And uh, you guys played a shortened season. What was that like, uh, just going through, through that whole process of not knowing if you're going to play, then ending up playing, uh, and ending up playing a shortened season? It was a whirlwind because uh, we started. Um, I actually I was a center back to begin the season, and it all got shut off. We were we were doing Zoom calls three times a week as a team, um, working out from home, <laughs> and and then all of a sudden we were back. And for me personally, I changed positions. That was when I became striker, and it stuck. So I can't, I can't describe it. It all happened so quick. It was such a whirlwind. And then we were playing back-to-back games. 
and I was very fortunate to be honest because not many people were playing games at that time and you know getting to train every day getting uh, that experience at USL one uh, I can only say that I was fortunate to be in that opportunity right now uh, just through that whole process playing with guys that you played uh, throughout your entire youth career with you know how, how was that experience just being able to play it at literally one of the highest levels that you can with those guys yeah, that was that was great, and I really thought um, when we had our best academy players out there, we were we were a very strong team. Um, the results didn't didn't always didn't say that at all, uh, but uh, you know, it's football; things happen, and uh, it was it was a great experience to be honest. The guys, uh, you know, I got Jelani's at Wake Forest now, and you know some of the guys signed first team contracts. It was great to play with those guys at the next level, and uh, everybody has their own route. But I'm sure, at the end of the day, we'll we'll, we'll see each other again. And, and like you said, everyone has their kind of different routes. And now, especially with OCV taking a different route, it kind of did that kind of force your decision. Like, what it, it, at the end of the day, when the season ended and OCB kind of shut down, where was your head at when it came to what's next for me? I, I had Rollins lined up. And I knew that it was my it was my next step uh, before I knew OCB was just going to go null and void. But um, so yeah, it was already kind of on my mind. Uh, I, I had informed the coaches that I had taken that opportunity, and I was already focused on Rollins uh, to be honest, because I knew that it was going to be my opportunity to prove uh, as a striker that that was where I belong and. And then everything else, all the opportunities in my future would would, uh, come from that because OCB didn't go our way. So now switching from center back to striker, completely different mentality, completely different skill set. What what was the thought process behind that? Was it something that you wanted to do or was it something the coaches kind of uh, imparted on you? It. It was a little bit of both. I think I've always had like that natural tendency to uh, go forward, score goals. I think I've done it all the way up in the academy, but never really was there a coach that um, kind of made that uh, move for me or helped help me make that move. And, and then, um, you know, it, I was scoring a lot of goals when we came back from quarantine and performing well. And then I, uh, we had a preseason friendly against it was against I know, but uh, I scored right away and and then from that point it stuck I scored on my debut uh, that was fun and that was that was how it developed really yeah and, and like you said you you've scored professionally and now collegiately you've scored at every single level uh, except MLS now so is that the the be-all end-all goal for you now is to make it to the highest level or are you more focused kind of on your uh, on your studies right now because again Rollins is a very uh, study focused school right and uh, I I knew that coming in you know, this is a uh, the Rollins culture is very much school first and uh, I knew that coming in and my goals personally have not changed I, I want to play at the highest level I can um, and whenever I'm ready for that, uh, you know, time will tell. The the goals will goals will tell, and come the fall, we'll we'll see how it goes, and I'll make decisions, you know, as they come. I just want to enjoy every moment now because 
you know, haven't always been able to do that. Now, coming from a Division II school, it obviously has that kind of uh, moniker of, of not being Division I, uh, and, and it has that stigma of not being as good. But you've seen some kids, even from Rollins specifically, that have made it. You know, Dennis Chin, uh, Walker and Tucker Hume, they ended up transferring to UNC, but uh, Walker got drafted in the first round of the MLS draft back in, I think, 2018. So guys have made it, and obviously you have Luke Bowden, who's who's played professionally. So it's within your grasp. Have you kind of talked to, to Bods or reached out to any of those guys about uh, kind of the process that they took at all? Yes, absolutely. I I, I talked to Bods coming in, and he knows where my head's at um, and what, I, what my goals are. And it's just a matter of now just playing. There's no more talk needed. Uh, it's just going to come down to me performing and – uh, you know, the football will speak for itself. That's that's what it comes down to. That's what he, he's told me directly. Gotcha. So now looking at Orlando City, the club you've been a part of basically like your whole life, where where do you kind of see that right now? Obviously, Oscar Pereja has got that that club gelling and, and they're finally winning. Uh, how is it? How nice is it for you, having been a part of it, to be able to see uh, the club kind of actually step up and, and be successful? It's amazing. It's amazing. I, I'm Oscar and his staff have been what little I've I've trained with the first team and worked with them. They seem amazing. They seem fantastic. So it's amazing to see Orlando uh, in a better place than we have been previously. And it's inspiring to me as a you know being from here. Uh, I've been going to Orlando City games for as long as I can remember with, with my family, and uh, you know it, it makes me think that you know one day maybe I could be out there and uh, represent the city I grew up in. And that's that, that keeps me motivated day to day, for sure. So now what, for, for OCB, you know, now that it doesn't exist or kind of exists, they, they've rebranded as like a uh, OC Academy 23 team that's playing in the... Um, UPSL. Yeah, UPSL. They, they, they have a smattering of different guys. It looks like they had like U13, U15 guys, but still coached by Marcelo. Who, who obviously was your coach. Uh, talk to me about him as, as a coach. You know, what was what was he like? Because not many people know too much about him. They just see his name in front of the academy and then uh, OCB. Marcelo is very experienced. He was he's coached at a super high level. He was the assistant for New England. Uh, he knows he knows his football and uh, he, he knows how to identify players with talent. And I, I was fortunate to, to you know work with him on a daily for for that this past well, the whole OCB campaign and uh you know I I think it's great what they're doing with the young with the young guys in the academy you know I personally had to make a decision for my future that it uh made more sense and I yeah Marcelo Marcelo was excellent to work with perfect all right well uh I appreciate the time I appreciate the insight best of luck in the rest of your collegiate career uh, and especially the rest of the season, whatever else there is left of it. Uh, I know it doesn't te- technically it doesn't count, but still, it's getting games under your belt. And uh, hey, you got a fu- you got a fun couple years ahead of you over at Rollins. So appreciate the time. We have U- uh, University of Tampa on April 9th, Friday. That's Friday at six p.m. So that that's that's our last game of the spring, uh, last official game of the spring, and that's going to be a fun one. So. And then hopefully back in the fall, we'll we'll be able to uh, to join as a fan and uh, come check out the action over at uh, Barker Family Stadium. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, man. Appreciate the time.
Thanks, Austin. All right, and that was Rollins College forward Mason Lamb. Appreciate his time and his insight into what went on with OCB, why he decided to eventually go to Rollins, which, you know, I respect his decision to decide to go to a Division two school with the hopes of going pro. Not many kids do that. You know, he went into it the mentality of like, I'm going to prove myself at Rollins that I can play at the pro level. And that's going from being a center back throughout most of his career as an academy player to then shifting as a striker at OCB and now trying to prove himself as a striker in Division Two soccer. He actually did get some offers for Division I, uh, but ultimately decided Rollins was the place to go. So Luke Bowden gets to try and teach the young Mason Lamb how to play striker. But uh, ultimate respect for him for, for uh, taking the harder way to make it to the pros, all things considered. So with that, I think we're done. We have gone quite a while, and we have said what we wanted to say for this monthly update from the Orlando Soccer Show. Kyle, any parting thoughts or hot takes that you want to uh, leave with the rest of the world? No, I just was saying I'm really excited for what's coming up with Orlando City. I think there's potential that things continue to improve on last year. I would love for that to happen. I would I would love to see things continue to get better and perhaps maybe, I don't know, compete in MLS and, and be a, a team that people go, yeah, why not make it to the MLS Cup Finals? Why not? Why not do anything? Oh, yeah, I know why. Oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters, no. <laughs> and with that... Oh, yeah! Thank you, Macho Man. We're going to leave it there. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Orlando Soccer Show. We'll be back starting with some weekly episodes starting next month. So be prepared for hearing us every single week, as long as we remember to record. So for Kyle Foley, I'm Austin David. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. We will see you next time. Goodbye.